One of life's greatest questions is what happens to us after we die? Is death the end or a new beginning? Welcome to the Round Trip Death Podcast. In this show, we listen to firsthand accounts of people who have gone beyond the veil and return to talk about it. We have on the line with us today, Travis Shreve. Did I say that right, Travis? You did. Okay. And I heard Travis recently talk about his near-death experience at Ions in Salt Lake City and found it fascinating. He is one of the survivors of COVID that has a story to tell. And Travis, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. Thanks. Um, I'm a married guy, married. I've got two sets of twins, um, seven-year-old twins and four-year-old twins. Uh, I'm a CPA, work with a lot of people during the year. Um, But yeah, just a CPA, I've always had a very analytical mind. Uh, Numbers make sense to me. Um, And, and, you know, always kind of depended on the reality of situations. Uh, I'm, I'm a jokester. Uh, always, you know, in, in my college days, I always had people screaming at me when something went wrong. They just seemed to know it was me, but, uh, I've, I've leveled out a little bit and just have enjoyed my time with my, my beautiful wife and and my kids. I'll tell you a secret. When, uh, I was a freshman in college, I declared my major in accounting and took the first big, you know, accounting 201 or whatever it was called and realized, I, I, you know, I thought math, well, math is easy, but I realized accounting is not math. It's a foreign language. <laughs> and I had zero aptitude for it and went a whole different direction. So, but uh, we need accountants out there. Anyway, uh, I know that you had your experience during COVID. Would you tell us when this was and how how serious you were, how you ended up in the hospital, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so this was this is a little later in COVID. This was um this was May of 2021. And they had figured out a lot of things by then. In fact, they had a uh they had a vaccine by this point. Yeah. So it was a little bit later in COVID. And I kind of knew the statistics and excluded myself from those statistics. I'm, I'm overweight and I, I have asthma, but, you know, maybe didn't accept reality there. And so I, I didn't worry too much, even when I knew I had it, but I had a few days of sleeping way too much and just being, being a little bit forgetful, watching several movies. I never can watch one movie, but watching several movies and not really knowing what was going on. So I was kind of in and out of it, but, but nothing that felt crazy. Um, and I was just a little bit, I I actually felt like I was recovering. I felt really weak, but nothing that was alarming to me. Now, did you know you had it at this point? I did. I did. And it, it had been, I I think it had been about a week. I, I went somewhere and I thought, uh, I, I actually had been up in the Canyon and thought I had some altitude sickness. And then a few days later, I thought I better get checked. And I, we, we got checked. Um, in fact, I went to the emergency room by weekend and they gave me um, oxygen, but I, I did know that I had COVID just a few days into it. Okay. So when did it turn worse? 
So it, it turned worse. Um, I, we had a Sunday evening and I, I just felt really weak, um, but still not very alarmed. And so I said, I said to my wife, Hey, we should probably call my mom in the morning. Um, I, I thought I told her, I thought we called her that night, but my wife reminds me that we didn't call her till the morning. And so that was kind of an indication that we still weren't that stressed. And so I went to sleep and I woke up that morning and, and took a shower and walked down the stairs. And just the, that was too strenuous for me walking down the stairs. And I, I said to my wife, I said, um, when is my, when's my mom going to get here? She said, she just left Sandy. Sandy was 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes away from American Fork. And she said, she just left Sandy. And I said, call an ambulance. That's all I could do. I said, call an ambulance. I kind of assessed how long that would take against how I was feeling. And I kneeled down and put my head down on, uh, on the couch and just, just passed out. I don't remember anything quite after that until the, the ambulance did show up and they, they picked me up and I remember a little bit from there. Keep going. What happened next? Well, they, they loaded me into the ambulance and I, I was in and out of consciousness, uh, at that point. And, um, my, my wife was really good to keep things from the kids, except that they were upstairs looking out a window, watching me be loaded into an ambulance as, as was the case with, with all of my neighbors. And so they loaded me into an ambulance, um, and uh, I showed up at the hospital. I didn't know which hospital I was at. Um, although I would have known if I was a little bit more aware, but I didn't know what, what a hospital I was at. And, um, I did have some interactions from there, but I was not aware of those interactions. My wife showed up to the hospital after my mom showed up to the house and she, she, uh, I had something really important to tell her and, and she couldn't quite hear me. So she came closer and I, took the mask off my face, the oxygen mask. And she thought it was something really important. And what I had said, I must've been on drugs <laughs> this time. And I said, did you come to see my nipples? And, and she was so mad at me thinking, this is a crisis. This, these are going to be his last words to me. So she shoved that uh, oxygen mask back on my face. She was a little bit upset that day. I can just see that on your headstone, by the way. <laughs> you can't just see my nipples. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I was joking with her at that point and she didn't, she didn't appreciate it. She's, she can take a joke. She's uh, a lively and happy person, but, but she, I think she more than I recognized the seriousness of the situation. And so the next moments I wasn't really aware of, um, I was, I was in the hospital and most of this has just been relayed to me, but my, my next door neighbor is a Bishop in our faith. He gave me a blessing and you know, the, the intention of a blessing is to heal those who are sick, but the intention also is to listen, you know, to, for the, the giver of the blessing to try to understand God's will and, and, and leave that blessing. And he, he blessed me. And like I said, I don't remember any of this, but he blessed me that if I would fight, that I would be healed and um, finished that up. And then he left the hospital 
And his thoughts were, he's not going to fight. And and I'll I'll get into that a little bit later, but just really felt like there was reason for me not to fight. Um, And, and, and that actually was kind of a thing in my family. I don't, I don't know where I gave the idea that I was uh, somebody who would give up easily, but I had siblings who, who thought I was done for and, and my wife, my wife was a little bit, has such a good attitude. I think she um, developed a good positive outlook before anybody else. But there was a real concern within the family as soon as, and, and I don't remember any of this, but they, uh, as soon as they gave, put me on the ventilator and, uh, you know, the last that my father had seen was they were putting the tubing down my throat for the ventilator and I was violently reacting. Well, and it seems like back then when we heard that someone was put on a ventilator, that was almost like, oh, shoot, that guy's not going to make it. Right. You know, if they're so bad that they're on a ventilator, at least that's that seemed to be, I don't know, kind of the the news. It's sort of what you expected. So people knew how serious you were. It sounds like your wife was terrified. But this was far enough along in COVID that you had visitors at the hospital then? No, no, there were no visitors yet. And the nature of things is I was, they had put me under these drugs. um, And my reaction to the drugs was purely negative. I was, uh, and and to a naysayer or to a skeptic, uh, I, I totally give them this, but I was hearing voices and, and seeing things within my hospital room that, I don't, I don't think we're an indication of an NDE, but they were, they were hallucinations and they were caused by drugs. But I also think that my attitude at the time was not good. I was in such a negative state of mind that everything I was hearing was negative. And, you know, this was, this was a year and a few months into COVID being established. And this ventilator was terrifying to me. I knew what a ventilator was, but this thing sitting in my mouth was terrifying. I felt like somebody was preventing me from breathing. I didn't I didn't feel that this machine was doing anything to help me breathing. I felt like there was something blocking my mouth and and preventing me from breathing. And so that coupled with hallucinations, things got very dark and and very scary and in this state of mind, I, I had assumed at one point that I died and that they were, and this will tell you how crazy I was at the time, but I had I had just assumed that they were discarding of my innards through some, you know, from from through some tube, just putting it into some toxic waste thing. And that that I was my body was being drained out of me because I was dead. Um, you know, not only that, there was I think they had put the TV on for me to respond to. And I was watching these movies and my brain just didn't understand. I, there was a movie, uh, Deepwater Horizon going on. And my brain was so dumb that I had interpreted this as some reality show. So it was, it was all very negative though. Just, just purely negative. And I was in this 
state of panic. Um, I couldn't talk to the nurses. I assumed that some of these things that I saw was when I was a little bit aware, but they didn't know whether I was awake or not. Uh, you know, they had in, put me into an induced coma. There were times when I was aware and, and yet I couldn't move. And I was so angry that they weren't responding to me. I was just so angry that they weren't responding to me. And I thought, they see this thing in my mouth. They just, they just want me to die. And, and so the, the hallucinations, um, and coupled with a distorted view of reality was, was just terrible. Uh, and just drove me into a situation of searching for death. Uh, and, and I, I was really upset, really upset that I wasn't dying, but also I was really afraid. You know, all these, and I'm a religious person, but at that time, the ideas entering into my mind about death were terrible, were just terrible that that, that was it. And I, there was no, there was nothing for me. And my poor wife was, and, and my kids were just doomed, you know, doomed to, to struggling without me. And I, I just felt this immense guilt as I sat there trying to, to find a way to die. So you're in a really bad, bad place emotionally, mentally at this point. Before we go into more detail on what's next, give us a big picture. How long were you in the hospital altogether? I was only in the hospital for uh, a little over two weeks. COVID was established. We we knew the doctors knew what they were dealing with a little bit more, but you know by the time I was done, the hospital hospitalist did tell me that I had a 5% chance of survival based on all the things they had to do. But I was only there for two weeks. Uh, I think I probably would have been there for a month to recover, except that there were so many people. This was kind of peak COVID in Utah. I was sent home early and I I couldn't move myself really at all. I, I had a walker and I had to have somebody helping me for two weeks afterwards. And then even, even after that, it took me another week and a half to be able to even go upstairs to my own room. We had a bed on the main floor. So they needed the hospital bed and kicked you out as soon as you were healthy enough. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't blame them. I, there's no, yeah. there's no resentment. Um, it's just that it was a home recovery as opposed to a, a hospital recovery. Okay. So what happens next? You're in this dark place. When, when and how did the NDE happen? Yeah, I'm in this dark place and it's, I can't even explain to you how, how dark it was. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm just in this beautiful place. And, and it's the opposite of everything I've been experiencing. I, I, the, the, the most terrifying thing that I had experienced in the hospital was just pure confusion. And here I was in this new place and just completely devoid of confusion. Now, I didn't, I don't recall traveling to this place. I was just there. I was just in this place. And the best I could describe it was a mix between sci-fi, some sci-fi building, and your stereotypical heavenly scene from a movie. And, and that's what it looked like. But it, it smelled like flowers. I didn't see any flowers, but I, I smelled flowers. It just smelled beauty. And it just it was as if Every breath was just information and clarity and love and and just just beautiful. But I will say this, as I was there, I don't think I was allowed to consider where where I may have been, even though this 
had a stereotypical heaven look to it. There was no, and, and, and even though I had just fought to die, fought to escape what I thought was, was torture, as, as I find myself in this place, even as I'm experiencing this un, undescribable beauty, indescribable beauty, I, there's, no, there's no consideration in my mind that at this point, I'm on the other side. I'm in a spirit world or anything like that. And yet I'm, I'm discovering that something has been connected. And, and in my mind, I, I'm just, I can't believe it. It's, it's connected. And I know somebody's coming. What do you mean by that? Connected? What's connected? Uh, it's, it's really hard to say. It just, it just felt like a connection happened. Between you and something. Me and these people and this place. Okay. Tell us, we haven't heard about the people. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about what it looked like and what people did you see there? So it, um, to describe it, it was, like I said, kind of like a space age building. But if you were to take the front of the Sydney Opera House and, you know, kind of convert it to a tunnel, a smaller, it's smaller than that, but smaller on the surface, but a, a very long tunnel. I never saw the back of it. And there's a possibility I traveled through that tunnel, but I know I don't remember any of that. I just I mostly looked out to to this scene and it it opened up to kind of this beautiful atmosphere. And it was as if we were on a an island in the sky, the way that it dropped off. There was a drop off and it just it didn't open up to space, but it opened up into blue sky. One of the confusing things to me or one of the unique things to me was that this place was so clean. There was not a speck of dust. Everything smelled clean. And it was such an expansive place that I, it just kind of hit my, hit my mind that there's no way this place is real because you can't keep a place this big, this clean. You know, there was no speck of dust. There was no scent of, of anything except for just goodness, good flowers or something. And um, so that really caught me off guard. And so I thought, okay, this is, it's been connected and I'm, I'm going to see these people. I, I knew that I was going to see some people for some reason. And so I thought it's been connected. I, I actually, um, as I came out, I assumed that this place was, was virtual reality, right? But nothing, nothing in technology today compares to this. But so I thought, Oh, maybe that's what the connection is. Cause I, I truly did feel that something had been connected. And I, to this day, I feel like something had been connected in my state of crisis, a connection had happened, but I was there in this just, just beautiful place. And, and I felt like I was there for a very long time. And I was there even alone for a very long time, but this was the opposite of the hospital in the sense that I felt no need to no need to do anything. I felt no need. I felt no stress as far as time goes. I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. I didn't even feel like, oh, my poor wife, my poor kids, that stuff was just gone from me. Soon enough, um, this woman arrived and, and I know there was a man there. It's, it's hard to say how I know that there was a man there, but, but I do know that I knew there was a man there. Um, during this time, some things were just communicated to me. And I, I recognized this woman. I remembered this woman. 
it was just communicated to me that, that she takes really good care of my family, particularly my kids, my, my two sets of twins. And I just remembered her and just accepted that. And everything that was downloaded to me was just truth. There was no way of denying it. You know, if I meet anybody nowadays, they can, they can tell me anything about themselves and I don't, I don't accept it as truth. Uh, you know, somewhere along the way, I'm going to doubt something or have a different interpretation, but information was just downloaded to me. I just admired this woman. I, I knew that this man was nearby. And for some reason, I felt um, there, there was even a point where I, I thought to ask them their names. And, and then I thought, I know these people. How embarrassing would that be to ask their names? That would, that would be crazy. And so I just, I thought, you know what, I, I'll be back. I'll be back here soon enough. And I truly felt that, that I would be back there soon enough. And, and I could worry about that at a later point. I didn't, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I want to make sure I understand here. You recognize these people, but you weren't sure their names. Right. You didn't know where you knew them from. Correct. Correct. And um, you know, I had, once I was kind of out of this place, I, I had made some assumptions and, and I'll kind of get into that a little bit later, but um, it, it's such a hard thing to explain because I knew them. I knew they, uh, they knew me. There was this love back and forth. Um, even to this man, there was this love back and forth and I didn't even see him. Um, and, and, it was as if it was newly communicated to me that that they were that she particularly was taking that she just loved my children and has on a number of experiences just taken really good care of them so hard hard thing to explain there right that that i felt that familiarity i felt that love i knew that i knew them i was not in the presence of strangers and yet uh, as soon as I thought to, uh, cause I did, I thought to ask their names and yet the idea of asking that seemed crazy to me because there was such a deep familiarity and a deep understanding and love. And did they say anything to you or was this all just came to you in thought? Most was downloaded. The, the man never spoke, um, uh, never I don't know if I even so much as saw a shadow from him. I don't know if I saw shadows, anything, everything emanated light. This building was, it was as if it was built out of pearl, but there was a light element to it. It, it lit, but there was not, there was not light bulbs. Everything just kind of glowed uh, just in the most beautiful way. But um, she did eventually speak to me and I just, uh, I spent some time just walking there with her. Uh, and, and, and I did, that was kind of the first moment that I realized, Hey, I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm, I've been confined to a hospital chair trying, uh, you know, I've been so scared. I've been trying to move. I've been trying to bust out. Um, and, and I stood up to move and, and, and that was kind of the first point that I realized, Oh, I'm, I'm in the hospital. But I, I accepted this and I said, okay, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain. This place is beautiful. 
but I, I wandered around with her and just admired her beauty. Uh, just an incredibly beautiful woman. And yet there's, there's nothing inappropriate about it. It was just, just admiring her beauty. Right. You're a married man yeah. and you're admiring the beauty of some other woman. Right. It's, but it wasn't in that way is what you're saying. Right. And and I just, it's like there was just an established way to admire her. And I understood that and uh, just just was admiring her and, and just thought the world of her and, and felt these these overwhelming feelings of love um, for her. And I, I felt those feelings back as well. And, um, we, we spent some time together and there just wasn't, there wasn't an urgency to do anything. It just was peace. It was beautiful. And, um, I, I just enjoyed my time there and I just couldn't get enough of it. It just was, was beautiful, beautiful to the extent that, uh, and maybe this was an intentional thing as well, but I had kind of forgotten a little bit about my family. Uh, they, they weren't a worry in my mind. I, I would say that. And once again, this was the total opposite of my feelings in the hospital because in the hospital, I, I was so worried about my family that I felt guilty. I felt like uh, I had just doomed myself to hell simply for dying on my family. And that's, you know, that contradicts my beliefs, but, but things got so negative in the hospital and then they were so much the opposite that I didn't have a single worry about my family. I just, I just knew that they were loved and cared for. I, I, I had no way of feeling anything but love and lightness. And I never feel that way. I've always got some level of stress. And um, even, even as I came out of the hospital, my partner had to lie to me about some things. Uh, my accounting firm partner had to say, uh, yeah, hey, this is all taken care of. This is good. All, all this stuff is fine. Even though there were problems, there were problems with clients as there always are. But he had to he had to lie to me because he knew that it would stress me out. I, and that's I'm I'm not a person who I, I just always carry some level of stress with me. And yet here I was and there was nothing, nothing of the sort, just pure beauty. Um, yeah, it's just just beautiful. But then I found myself back in the hospital. I had this beautiful experience. And and this is the hardest thing to explain to people still I had not been able to comprehend that this was the spirit world or that this was that I had been taken away in this moment of crisis that I had been taken away into this beautiful thing I I still had this this memory in my mind that of this place and I knew that this woman was real I knew that she was real and that she was a part of my life, but I thought, okay, I, I just, something happened from a virtual reality standpoint to get me there. You were talking about earlier that you had hallucinations. How did you know this was something completely different? Number one, I relived this. Uh, as, as time went on, I, I thought of every hallucination and, and I was able to explain why 
what that was and why it was silly. And, and yet these experiences were, were just the opposite. Just the feeling I've never felt. I have had such a, a lovely life. My wife is so good to me. My kids are just adorable. All of them have been great. I've had a, a really, just a beautiful life. And yet what I felt there was just indescribable. And, and it was the pure opposite of what I experienced in the hospital. So, you know, if, uh, if a skeptic were to come to me, I, I tell them everything I told you. And would I expect them to come away believing me that, that this awful experience was drug induced and this absolutely beautiful experience was, was me in the spirit world, um, or, or in heaven um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to believe that. Um, and, and I've, I've found a lot of beauty in, in hearing other stories. And I, I actually ran across this man won't talk of his experience, but he'll, he'll, he'll talk to his son and his, his experience was so very similar COVID and everything. And, and I'll get more into the details of my experience, but I'd, I'd really like to share this because it was, it, this guy is very similar to me that, his son was doubting. Um, his son was doubting this experience, but he just said, you know, my dad has never, my dad would never make up anything. And he listened to my experience on a, on a thing online and said, this was, the, this was so touching to me because this is so similar to my dad's experience. And my dad swears by it. Uh, my dad absolutely swears by it. And, and this gives me comfort. He, uh, anyway, but, uh, so, uh, I'll, I'll get more into the details and, and, and explain why this was similar. But after this experience, I find myself back in the hospital and it's, it's crisis mode again, more shows on the TV and more nurses that can't, can't hear me. They're, they're not. I, I tried to grab their hands, but my hands were tied down. I tried to scream at them and they couldn't hear me. And all the while they're taking care of me and they're checking my vitals. But I don't know that. I don't understand that. I enter in the, into this crisis mode again. And it's it's absolutely dark again. And just like that, I snap out of it. And I'm I'm there. I'm there in this place again. And there she is. And, and we have... Just a lovely experience. Now, I always heard her voice when she spoke. I always heard her voice, but I don't remember. I don't remember her moving her mouth in, in any of this. And that voice is the most special thing. If, if I could carry something with me throughout the rest of my life, it's that voice, hearing that voice. But her voice was so beautiful, uh, and I don't I don't remember her ever opening her mouth. But I did hear, I vocally heard I heard her vocally speak, even though some of the information was just simply downloaded. It wasn't as if she spoke it to me; it was just passed over to me, and just downloaded at this incredible rate. Um, the only time that I remember her moving her mouth was when she laughed at me. There was a moment where she laughed at me and as, as confused as I was in the hospital and as dejected as I felt in the hospital, 
here I have this woman laughing at me. And I just felt absolutely love. It was the way I describe this is if, if your kid does something stupid or asks a silly question and you watch your, you watch your wife laugh, it's not a laugh to poke fun. It's a laugh of adoration. And, and I think that this woman laughed at me because I didn't understand who she was. And she never, I don't think she was allowed to tell me who she was. Was there something in particular that you said that made her laugh at that time? You know, I don't even know. I just know that she was laughing and she was laughing at me. And I'm not a real well put together person. If, if somebody laughs at me, I'm going to be offended. And yet here I was and there was, I felt that laugh for what it was. And that laugh was love. That laugh was just beautiful. And, and that's all there was. There was this laugh and there was love. And I, I, I wondered at the time why she was laughing, but it was just, let's move on. Let's enjoy this, but let's enjoy this place. And, um, sometime within there, she, she had to tell me, she said, you need to calm down. And I understood it to mean when I'm in the hospital. And, and she had to kind of bring me back to the idea. I'm in the hospital right now. She said, you need to calm down. Um, everything's going to be okay. And it was truth. I knew that that was truth. And so spent some time there and just felt no rush to do anything. Just enjoyed being there. And next thing I knew, I was back in the hospital. But this time in the hospital, I, I still had this thing on my mouth, still didn't. I knew what a, a ventilator was, but just had this idea of they're blocking me from breathing. But she had spoken those words to me that everything was going to be okay. And I just knew it. I knew it was going to be okay. And so as the nurses interacted with me, they'd come in and they'd not really talk to me. I don't know if they knew I was aware. And then they'd leave. I thought, okay, they didn't get it this time, but they're going to get it the next time. I thought I had pressed that nurse call button a thousand times and they would never come in. Eventually, I realized it was in a totally different spot. Um, and the only comfort I had was, uh, I've never had this before, but I now, as an adult, have this whoopee. I have my blanket that my wife brought in. Uh, and I, But as I was in the hospital, nobody was there, no family didn't hear updates because I think mostly they didn't know that I was aware. And, and that was terrifying. That was really terrifying. So at this point I knew I was going to be okay. She told me I was going to be okay, but that didn't mean that I wasn't still confused in the hospital. So I thought, okay, they're going to get this off of my mouth. They're going to, they're going to get me out of here. It's going to be okay. And it took a long time. It took a long time, but the only hope I ever had was that it was going to be okay. And um, somewhere along the way, I had a, I was trying so hard to breathe, not realizing that this was breathing for me. Um, this was probably before the the second time I I was in this other place, but I I was trying so hard to breathe, thinking I've got to put some effort in. I can't just die or I'll be doomed. 
And so I, I gave my very last breath. In other words, I, I put my last, very last bit of energy into breathing. And then I didn't die, right? I, I thought, okay, I'm going to die now. And then I didn't die. It was the machine keeping me alive. But so this, this last, now I'm, now I'm back and I know I'm going to be okay, but I'm still really saddened at how long this is taking. And um, I don't know how long things took, but after my first week there, as I was finally able to talk, I felt as if I had been away for like three months. I don't know if that's an indication of how long it felt to be in this other place or how long it felt for them to fix my situation. Um, but but so finally I'm in the hospital and I start to panic again. I, I felt really good. I thought she's right. I'm going to be okay. And then I started to think, how, how am I going to be okay? I can't, I can't talk to the nurses. And eventually I don't, I don't go to this place anymore, but I hear her voice and she shows me an image and she shows me an image of my family. And she says, I've worked it out. Um, I don't think she said those words. I've worked it out, but I understood that she had worked out something, whether she had inspired a doctor or interceded somehow in my life for my life. But she, um, she says, everything's going to be okay. We will be whole again. And I thought, well, that's, that's sweet. We'll be whole again. But who does, who does she think she is <laughs> to say, we, we will be whole. I, 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 I kind of, kind of smiled at that idea because I, I felt the love from her and I felt that there was a closeness, but in my brain at the time in the hospital, I thought, well, that's, that's a little crazy. Um, and, and I started to wonder how she's so important that she could, she could do this. And also at that time, I, I physically, I was in the hospital, but I physically felt the prayers that were said on my behalf and felt that they were coming from all over the world. Um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of friends in the Philippines that were praying for me, but that stuff didn't even make sense to me at the time um, in the hospital. And yet I felt that these prayers were coming from all over the world. And um, she said I would be okay. And from there on, everything improved. Now, it wasn't perfect improvement. I was, I was in the hospital struggling for about a week and, um, you know, they still didn't give good information to my wife for three, three more days or so. And then they finally said, yeah, this, he's good. And, and then I could start to communicate with her on a tablet. I couldn't even hold the tablet up, but I started communicating with my wife and, uh, saw the kids, uh, remembered I had two sets of twins and not just one. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, I had had forgotten that in the hospital, um, and that was that was great to see. And I tried to tell my wife about this place, and she said I called it Avonly Way or Heavenly Way or something along those lines. And I just referred to this place as a, you know, as a a place that we could go to, and I wanted to tell everybody about it, and then. And, and she, she just recognized my confusion. She didn't ever want to say, hey, 
you're you're losing it or anything. But I hadn't described anything well enough to her that she she had even considered that I had had um, some sort of near death experience. At this time, also, I I was trying to remember. It's as if the memory of my older kids had been taken away. Now, let me disclose: I am not only the parent of two sets of twins. I'm also the parent of two children who had passed away. Um, my oldest daughter passed away at 16 months. And she was highly disabled her whole life. Had a She had a larger head. She was very deformed on her in her face. Um, just, just a very large head and lots of veins. Um, really pretty subject to ridicule. She never heard it, but I heard it. And I wanted to strangle people when I did hear it. My my second son was born after she had passed, and he lived to be eight years old. Whitney and Vincent were their names. And so I I had a real memory problem in the hospital, and I I I had to remember these children, and uh, I remembered their names and tried to remember things about them. And it, as soon as my wife had talked to me, I remembered everything, but. For some reason, the memory of these these kids had been taken from me, and I don't know if that was by design or or if if it was just part of the hospital process. But um, over the next weeks, I really struggled, um, and and my wife really struggled. She had she had prayed that I would I would have the influence, um, be able to to have the comfort of of my children who had passed. And, and she said she felt this overwhelming feeling that they were there and that they were comforting me. And then as I came out of the hospital and told the stories that I did, she thought, why did I have that overwhelming feeling when Travis, Travis didn't? And, you know, part of it was this next week in the hospital, I, I saw this woman's face and I, saw it in everything I did. And I tried to remember where I knew her from. And I, I tried to piece it together in a way that made sense to me. And I said, okay, well, if this woman is, if she loves my kids so much, if she's taken such good care of my kids, how do I know her? Where does she live? And I started looking at every, in my mind, at every home in the neighborhood, trying to figure out where she lives. I started to try to remember every family member and every person I ever knew in college and tried to remember where she fit in. And I never, I never let go of the miraculous nature of, of what she had done. I, I had always accepted that, that she had performed a miracle that, and that she had communicated to me that I was going to be okay when all the nurses hit, they didn't give up on me. They were doing their best, but they had given up on the idea that I would be back to see my family. And so I never let go of that, but I had to let go of the idea that this was some woman that I knew. And, and that was, I, I had to let go of that because I didn't know her. As I tried to remember her, even though I, even though I felt those feelings of rem- remembrance and familiarity, because I couldn't put her face together, I I kind of let go of that idea. 
And so I struggled. I really struggled at home for weeks. And I had to have somebody there at night with me just because I thought if I, if my oxygen comes off, I'm, I'm, I'm a goner. I can't, I can't yell loud enough. I'm, I'm just a goner. So I always had, had to have somebody by my bed for, for weeks. And um, so finally, after a few weeks, I was able to get upstairs and sleep in, in my own bed. And uh, I, I still had oxygen connected, but at this point I, um, I wandered into the bathroom and I, I really had this overwhelming feeling of, I just, just about died. Now I never coded. I never, there's nothing on my medical records that would say that I lost a heartbeat. Um, but I, I just had this overwhelming feeling of, I just about died. And what have I learned? And what I wanted to learn was, what do I need to do to be better, to be more prepared for my death, but also to be more, just a better person in life. And I, I sat there in the bathroom connected to our bedroom and tried to think through those things and thought, okay, I need to, I need to eat better. I need to be healthier. I need to spend more time with the kids. And I just felt like this isn't it. This isn't what I need to learn. And just then the image replayed in my mind, the image of this woman. And I, it's, it was as if I relived 10 minutes of this and I saw her face and just saw all of this over again as a, as if I was there. And, um, the major difference this time was, is that I saw the familiarity I saw. Now, if I were to look at my baby girl with the, the big veins in her head and the deformed head and the just scrawniness, that wouldn't be familiar. But at this point, I saw my mother and I saw my wife. I saw the perfect morph of them. And I heard this voice again. And, and the same with the voice. The voice was a morph of the two. And I immediately recognized that this was my daughter. I had been on the other side. I had been communicating with my daughter this whole time. And that, that love that I felt and that adoration placed so perfectly was the same adoration that I would have given if I knew that this was my adult daughter walking with me. All those things, it, it's as if I understood exactly who she was without understanding who she was. Isn't that interesting that it took, it took a while. I mean, this is what, a few weeks. Yeah. You know, in the hospital, you didn't know who she was. And then all of a sudden it became so clear. Yeah. And, and it's not like the face changed. That face had been top of my mind all day long. Um, even as I tried to let go of the experience, that face had been there. But this last time that it was showed to me so perfectly, it was like, of course, of course, this is, this is me, you know, and, and the idea of this woman is so perfect. How, how can there be a part of me in her? I, you know, I saw some of my own familiarity and, and, um, 
uh, just just a beautiful thing, right? That what a concept that she could live in a in an, a very imperfect body, and yet the perfect version of herself, the restored version, and and that's that's what I that was that's a major takeaway of, of this is that the restored version of herself was was perfect and and yet it was me and it was my wife and you know the, i i think there's an eternal nature to our genetics which seems crazy cuz i got i got some ugly features you know and <laughs> things aren't perfect <laughs> and yet there's there's an everlasting um element to to our genetics and i found that just to be uh really beautiful that's fascinating because you would think that the genetics would all be from the physical body right yet you're saying she looked like this hybrid of your wife your mother huh that's really interesting i don't think i've heard that before yeah so now should we assume that the man that you knew was there was your son? I think so. Um, you know, the, the one difference with him, he was, he was eight years old when he passed. His deformities weren't as significant. And I think had I seen his face, I would have recognized him as my Vincent. Um, you know, that wasn't the case with, with Whitney, but, I just think I would have recognized him. There were there were things kept from me. And the, the three things kept from me was where I was, even though there was, I don't want to, stereotypical is a, a terrible word to use, but, it, you know, if I had seen this presented in a movie, I would say, okay, this place is heaven. And yet I wasn't able to consider that. I wasn't able to understand who she was and I wasn't able to understand who he was uh, at the time. And now going back to the idea that I had been blessed to, to survive if I would fight, I think that was a perfect, that was an important element of this. This was such a beautiful place. Beautiful to the extent that I've, I've struggled in life to see kids grow up in in terrible circumstances. And I internalized that. You know, I, uh, I've seen kids subject to human trafficking. And I've just thought this world is such a horrible place. And yet in this experience, I, I just felt like it doesn't matter what you've been through in life. It does. It matters, but there's nothing that cannot be made whole in that instant like there is no beauty that compares here on this earth and if somebody had to struggle their whole life that's good like that's how beautiful this place was and so imagine me being a father who has i've missed these kids i've i missed my daughter for 16 years i hadn't seen her for 16 years and my my son, I hadn't seen him for five years. And I just missed them like crazy. So imagine this being in this dreadful world and finding yourself in this place with, with family that you just haven't seen 
and knowing that your your body is struggling like the idea of giving up um would have been there for me like these are my people and this place is so much better you know i'll miss my wife i'll miss my other kids but this place and these people are so important to me that I I really think that I truly would have given up. You mean if you had known who she was? If I had known who she was, if I had known who who he was, if I had known where I was. And, and I think it just took one of those. If I had known who he was, I would have known who she was. If I knew where I was, if I knew that I was crossed over into the spirit world, I was allowed to see the spirit world. I, I probably would have guessed who she was. I probably would have guessed who he was. So I think it was important that all of those were kept from me because you would have stayed. Right. Yeah. And yet, and yet the prayer, the prayer of my wife that I would be comforted was there. I was, I was comforted even though I didn't know who they were. I didn't, but but at the same time, I did. I felt that love. I felt all those same feelings, except for the feeling, this desire to to exit and to be with them. I didn't. Um, I did feel this idea that I'd be back with them soon enough, and and that was. Uh, I didn't have this need to to turn around or contort myself to see this man wherever he was. Because in my mind, I would be there soon enough. And I, I still think that that's the case. I, you know, soon enough may not be the uh, one day that I may have thought it was then, but, but soon enough, I'll, I'll get to see them. Um, but, but now I do, I do have that comfort that, that they're there. Uh, I have this intrigue that I know what she looks like. Uh, I feel a little sad for my wife that that she didn't get to see that same thing. Um, that's it was just that beautiful that I, I feel a little guilty for for having felt this place and and seen my my little girl who was you know a thirty something year old woman. She she would have here she would have been seventeen at this point. Well, at that point sixteen, just a. a very beautiful experience. And it's just led me, I, I've read a thousand experiences since, and I just can't get enough of them. I, I read them. I, I even have a podcast. I'll, I'll read them and just discuss them, read these experiences. I just think that it's such a beautiful thing. And there's so many elements that I, I just think are so beautiful, a lot that I didn't experience and some that I do. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's called Near Death Discussions. And it's really all it is, is me reading people's experiences and then discussing them. I've never had any guests on or anything like that. But I just thought, you know, I'm reading so many of these anyway. I, I really should um, should publish them. And I just hope that there's other people out there like me that that just can't get enough of, of this. And that's that's how I came across yours. I I just can't get enough of these experiences because I know so many elements within them are so dear to me. It's beautiful that some of us are able to to see that. Uh, and what's even more beautiful 
are those people who've never had an experience and yet they're, they're drawn to this. Uh, I just, my hat's off to them because it took me an experience to, to get there. For me, it's almost more like, how can people not be interested in this? How, yeah. Don't we all just, you know, build into our human nature, wonder what is going to happen after death? You know, why, why yeah. are we here? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Why? And, and all these why questions and, Except for, you know, maybe maybe the world just kind of stifles some of that after a while. All the stress and everything going on is just overwhelming enough that sometimes we forget to keep asking those questions. Yeah. But I, I think most people do. And I've had so many people reach out to me that listen to this podcast that are saying, hey, you know, I appreciate that because I needed that uplift today. I just needed some hope. You know, maybe I watch the news for an hour. I better have something different. Yeah. Anyway, Travis, thank you so much for sharing. It's kind of ironic that uh, I heard you at the IONS conference and then you reached out to me, I, I don't know, a week later. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and we didn't meet there. That was just by happen chance that that happened. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a regular listener. Like I told you, I, um, I just can't, can't get enough of the subject matter and, you know, for me, it it took an experience uh, to get here. I've I've really appreciated that you're you're putting this this content out there because it it means a lot to me. Well, thank you, and thanks for being on the show. And I'm sure we'll talk again sometime. Okay, thank you, Eric. If you have had a round-trip death experience, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to Eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you've found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend, hit that follow button, and take a few seconds to write us a review. Until next time, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. <laughs>